Well, do take this insert home, keep track of these things, and uh, encourage you to pray for them. Um, anyway, and if you don't want to uh, pray for all these things every day, there's, there's seven things on here, right? So you could pray for one thing a day. You can just make that part of your routine this month or however you want to do that. But please continue to lift up uh, the Richies in prayer. All right. <clears throat> well, grab your Bibles and open to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to keep learning how to pray. That's what we're doing right now. We're learning as a church how to pray, well, which may seem like a bit of a silly thing to say because if you were to add up all of our collective years of Christian experience, we probably have hundreds of years of prayer under our belt in this room right now. Uh, and so why would we need to learn how to pray? And yet some of us are newer in our faith, um, and some of us need a refresher. And quite frankly, prayer is just too important uh, to take it for granted. So we don't want to assume that we know how to pray. We want to go back to Scripture and understand what Jesus says when he tells us how to pray. And so we're learning from Jesus in this amazing, magnificent, short, but incredibly rich prayer of the Lord's Prayer. Um, So we're taking it slowly. As you know, and we're examining it uh, under a microscope, looking at each word, every line, because Jesus packs so much into this one prayer. And if we recite it without thinking it, if we don't understand what it says, we're going to miss out on the very thing he was trying to teach us. So we want to learn how to pray. And today we're looking at verse 12, which I believe is the sixth line of the prayer. And we're going to learn how to pray about sin and forgiveness. So I'll read the whole thing for us again, and then we will uh, dig into verse 12. Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right, so Jesus wants us to pray this line, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And he wants us to make it part of our regular prayer routine. So we know he wants us to be a regular prayer because of what we studied last week in the line before where he says, give us this day our daily bread. Right, Jesus is saying, pray this prayer daily. So just every day you're praying for daily bread. So this whole prayer is something that we're praying all the time, regularly. And so he's assuming here that that we're supposed to be also praying every day for forgiveness of our debts. That is part of our routine, our daily act of prayer. We're coming to God and we're asking for forgiveness. Uh, Now, that's not the most natural thing to do in prayer, I don't think. Uh, We uh, we come to God fairly naturally to ask for daily bread. Okay, when we talked about this last week, praying for physical things, that's a pretty normal and easy thing to ask for. Uh, When someone asks for prayer, they're often saying, uh, you say, okay, I'll pray for you. And they say, uh, pray for uh, my aunt who's sick or pray that I get a job, right? Those are good things. You don't usually go up to somebody and say, hey, uh, can I confess my sins to you, right? Uh, I, I, can you pray for me and pray for that? I mean, that'd be a good thing to do, but it's not natural. And even in our own personal prayer lives, we don't, uh, we don't do that as often. As we come to God privately in prayer, we're very quick to say, God, would you help me with this? Would you help me with this? But it's harder, more, less natural for us to come to him and say, Uh, And I also have to confess this sin. Would you forgive me for this? It's a good part of prayer, but it's not something we do naturally. And yet Jesus says that we should do it. He thinks it's a good and necessary part of our regular daily practice to come to him 
in prayer and to say, would you please forgive me? So what we're going to do here is we're going to look at, at, at kind of the question, why? Why does Jesus include this in our daily practice of prayer? What does this force us to do? And as we see what praying this prayer regularly forces us to do, we'll see also the tremendous benefit that it has for us. Jesus is not being cruel here. He's saying this is a good thing. And if you do this, you will reap some rewards, some benefits. So we're going to look at that. What are the things that it forces us to do? And then how do those bring benefit into our lives? So first, what does praying forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors force us to do? Uh, the first thing it forces us to do is to admit that we are sinners. Okay? It forces us to admit we're sinners. Uh, now, before we get too far in this, we do need to clear up some confusion about this line. As you probably know, there are at least two, maybe three different ways that English speakers say this part of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I don't know if you've had this experience. You may have had it as we've recited the Lord's Prayer together over the weeks here, uh, where you're in a group of mixed company, Christians from different traditions, and you say the Lord's Prayer, and you start out really confident, right? Like, all right, we're going to say the Our Father. Everybody starts out together, and they've got the first parts, and the Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us. And everybody kind of looks around. Uh, wait, are we doing debts? Are we doing trespasses? What's the forgive us as we forgive it. And lead us not into temptation, you know, for the home stretch. You bring it in. Uh, so there's this confusion. We don't know. There's different traditions of saying the Lord's Prayer in different ways. So some people say... Uh, forgive us our trespasses. Some people say forgive us our debts. And then there's more modern versions where some folks just say forgive us our sins. Uh, so what's it supposed to be? Uh, well, if you're just looking at what the Bible actually says, it's a pretty easy answer. The, the best translation is debts. Um, so, and that's not just the ESV. I mean, all translations, all modern English translations, um, dating all the way back to the King James, say debts in verse 12. Uh, and that's because the Greek word behind that is debts. I mean, it's a, it's a very specific word that means debts, and so it's translated that way. Uh, there's a different word for transgressions, uh, and that is actually used in verse 14 and in verse 15. So if you look down there, you'll see um, in the English Standard Version, which I'm reading, for example, he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And if you're reading that in the Greek, that's a different word than what shows up in verse 12. Verse 12, it's the word for debts. Verse 14 to 15, it's the word for trespasses. Or sorry, yeah, trespasses. Uh, so why do so many English speakers uh, say, forgive us our trespasses instead of debts? Uh, it's because in one of the earliest translations uh, in English by a guy named William Tyndale, uh, he used that word there. So that was like kind of the first English translation to come out. And at that time, the Anglican Church, uh, the Church of England, was trying to formalize its worship services. And so they took his translation of the Lord's Prayer. They made it a part of their worship service. And so in their uh, standard book of prayer, it became, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then, of course, because the English speakers, uh, or because England was, was the dominant force in the world for so long, uh, many people who learned the Lord's Prayer learned it right out of the book of, um, or out of the book of prayer, not out of the Bible, but out of the book of prayer. And so that's how it became the dominant phrase. Okay. So there's your history lesson. Uh, shortly after that, um, when the King James was uh, developed and published, they were more faithful to the Greek, and the, so they translated it as debts. And ever since then, all the English Bibles have had it, uh, for the most part, this way. 
Now, does that matter? You know, it's not really a big deal. Okay, it's not really a big deal because they're all different ways of talking about the same thing. Okay, whether it's debts or trespasses or sins. Um, you see that even in the passage itself because in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus uses the word debts, but a couple of verses later, he uses the word trespasses. Okay? So he's just talking about the same thing. In fact, if you look at the other version of the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, uh, where Jesus teaches his disciples uh, a different version of it there, in that one, this line goes like this, Luke 11, 4. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Okay. So forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. So Jesus himself is using the different words. So there he says sins and debts, and in other places he uses trespasses. So really, it's not a big deal at all. In fact, the confusion actually helps us to understand what the passage means. We've got three different words that are talking about the same thing. What Jesus wants us to understand is we're sinners. We're debtors. We're trespassers. We have done things wrong. We have transgressions and sins. When we say that we're debtors, when we confess, whatever language you use, when you say, forgive us our sins, our debts, our trespasses, what you're saying is we're sinners. But he does specifically use the word debts. He uses financial language. And he does that because that conveys uh, our situation, an aspect of our situation. We are indebted to God because of our sin. And we use this language when we talk about our relationships with other people. We kind of talk in terms of financial obligations and debts sometimes. So, like, if you've, if you've ever hurt a friend of yours, if you've ever disappointed them or offended them in some way, uh, and you want to make things right, you probably have said something like, how can I make this up to you? Right? So you realize you've done something wrong, you've in some way put yourself in their debt, that you owe them something, and you say, now how can I make this up to you? How can I make this right? You realize there's an obligation, something you owe them, you want to pay it. Or conversely, if someone has done something to you, and you really don't want to forgive them, you say, I'm going to make them pay. Right? Meaning, They've done something to me, they owe me, and I'm going to take it out on them. I'm going to make them pay. So we use this financial language when we talk about our own offenses. And it's the same thing that's happened to God. We've rebelled against God. We've hurt him. We've hurt people that he loves. And so now we have this debt that we owe, this moral debt. To be right with God, we have to pay that debt. And that is the first thing that praying this prayer forces us to admit it forces us to admit that when we come to God, we come to God not as spiritual billionaires with all this stuff to offer him, but we come to God as debtors. We come as sinners. We have debts that we can't pay. And Jesus wants us to pray this every day. He wants us to come every day to God with this acknowledgement that we are, in fact, sinners. Now, why would we do that? Why would Jesus want us to remember that every day? So what's the benefit for this? I think the benefit is that this specific prayer, this acknowledgement, is like the vaccine that keeps us from catching hypocrisy and judgmentalism and pride. Okay? So it's the vaccine against hypocrisy, judgmentalism, and pride. Uh, you, you probably know this, the flu's going around right now, and it's pretty bad this year. Apparently the vaccine that, that was put out didn't work too well. Uh, but when vaccines work, they work great, right? It's wonderful. 
you can get a vaccine, you get a shot, and, and instead of getting the actual disease, you're inoculated against it. You don't get it. You're protected. Um, and I'm sure if anybody of you have had the flu already this year, you wish that the, you had had a vaccine this year that would have kept you from getting it. Uh, but do you know what's even worse than having the fever and chills and aches and pains? Uh, catching hypocrisy and judgmentalism and pride. That's worse than having the flu. Uh, because the flu makes your body feel bad, but these things are deadly to your soul. They're deadly to churches. These sorts of things drive people away from Jesus, away from the faith, hypocrisy, judgmentalism, pride. And all of us are susceptible to them. We can all catch this very easily. Once you've been in the church for a while, I'm sure you felt this. You know, we, we all seem to have our acts together, and you feel this pressure to say, well, I mean... I feel free to admit that I used to sin, right? I can tell people about how I used to sin and God saved me from all that, but I'm not allowed to talk about how I still sin. I'm not allowed to mention that I still have struggles, I still have failings, I still have real problems. And so there's this pressure, even within the church, to begin to become a hypocrite. Say, I have these problems, but I can't talk about these problems, I can't admit that I'm a sinner, and so I'll just pretend that I'm not. And you become a hypocrite. And then you look at other people who aren't as good at hiding things as you are, and you see them sinning in ways that you don't sin, and you think, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. And then pride begins to creep in. And judgmentalism, as you condemn them for the sins that you're not committing, all the while harboring your secret sins. And then before you know it, all the symptoms start to manifest themselves. You're critical of other people. You're obsessed about what they think of you. You're afraid to be real with anyone. You've caught it. You've caught the disease, hypocrisy, judgmentalism, and sin. And so what do we do? How do we prevent that terrible disease? Take your medicine. Take your daily medicine. Maybe it's more like a vitamin than a vaccine, I guess. But take this medicine that Jesus gives us to admit every day, I am a sinner. I have debts. Forgive my debts. Right? What you're doing every day when you pray this prayer to start off, you're just saying, I'm no better than anybody else. I am a sinner. I don't have it all together. I don't have to be a hypocrite. I can just admit it. I'm, I'm not judging you. I'm not better than you. I'm not prideful. See, Jesus wants us to pray this because he wants it to be impossible for us to become hypocrites. He wants it to be impossible for us to judge one another, to be proud. He doesn't want you to get sick with this disease, and he really doesn't want it to infect the church. So he says, every day, pray like this, forgive us our debts. We are sinners coming to a Savior. That's the first thing he wants us to do. Admit that we're sinners, and it reaps a, reaps a great benefit. It keeps us from these, uh, these destructive things of hypocrisy, pride, and judgmentalism. So that's the first thing. The second one is really the heart of the prayer. The second thing it forces us to do is then to ask for daily forgiveness. So when we pray this prayer, it forces us to admit we're sinners, and then it forces us to ask God for daily forgiveness. Uh, so this is the meat of the prayer. It's, it's what we're asking for. We're asking for forgiveness. When we realize that we're debtors and that we have sinned, what do we do? We come to God and we say, please forgive us. Forgive us. And the great news of Christianity, of course, is God does he forgives us. He doesn't have to, but he does. 1 John 1.9 is one of my favorite verses. I encourage you to memorize this if you haven't before. 
1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a great promise. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have sinned, we've incurred a great debt, and if we simply confess that sin to God, he forgives us and wipes it all away. That's how it works. I was reading an article this week about credit card debt. Uh, apparently, the national total credit card debt for our country right now is over $1 trillion. So this is the highest that it's ever been. Uh, and the article I was reading was recommending a trick for people who have high credit card balances. So they were talking about balance transfers from high interest cards to low interest cards. And so apparently some of these low interest cards are offering deals like 0% interest for 6 to 21 months. Okay, so if you want to transfer your high interest card with a, a big balance to this low interest card, you can transfer that. I'm sure you pay some fee, but then for 6 to 21 months, you don't have to pay any interest on it. You can pay down your debt. And I thought, man, if you have a really high credit card balance, if you're in a lot of credit card debt, that is good news. That's good news. No interest for almost two years. But you know what? At the end of two years, you still got to pay for the debt. Right? You still have to pay it off. What would be really good news if there was a credit card where you could transfer your big balance at high interest, and as soon as you transfer it over, it wipes it out completely. That would be great news. And that's what God offers us in the gospel. It's exactly what happens when we ask God to forgive us. We're these massive debtors. We owe so much. And when we come to God with this prayer, forgive me my debts, he doesn't just give us a period of interest-free loan time where we get to sort of uh, pay it off through our good behavior. He says, no, you come to me with your, with your debts and you ask for forgiveness and I just wipe it away. It's all gone. The balance is zero. And it's possible because it's already been paid by another. Jesus paid our debts. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 puts it this way. It says, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Okay? So your debts, your credit card bill, your moral mortgage has been nailed to the cross. Jesus paid for it all. And so Jesus says, ask for forgiveness. All you have to do is ask. You have a debt, I have a debt, and all we have to do is ask for forgiveness, and God will grant it. We don't have to sit there with piles of debt that just get worse and worse and worse. We just need to take advantage of this incredible offer and come to God and be forgiven. Now, I want you to pay attention to this part. I know you always pay attention, but just pay attention to this part. Because it's important. We've got to be really clear here. The first time you ask God for forgiveness, right, when you become a Christian, that moment when you come to him for the first time and you say, uh, I have all this debt, Lord, I, I, I give my life over to you, would you please forgive me? That moment of conversion, every single one of your sins is forgiven. All your past sins. All the sins you're doing right, right then. And all the sins you'll ever do until you die. They're all forgiven by Jesus in that moment. Okay, the biblical word for that is justification, to be justified. 
It means that that verdict that you're, you're going to get from God, you know, when you stand before him, is brought into the future, and God says, here it is right now, you are not guilty. You're not guilty of your past sins, you're not guilty of what you're doing right now, you're not guilty of anything you'll do in the future, you are justified. That's what happens when you become a Christian. Now, some people teach the opposite, and they use passages like this to teach this. Well, they'll say, you know, when you become a Christian, all your sins up to that moment are forgiven. But then, after that, you better make sure you keep confessing and repenting so that those sins get forgiven later, right? And so, in that system, if you happen to sin and then die before you confess that sin, you might be going to hell because you've got some unconfessed sin in your life, okay? Some people teach this. Some churches teach this. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says things like Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Not, not for your past sins, not now, not for the future. There's no. You're in. You're justified. You're forgiven. Now that being said, this question does raise, or this passage does raise a question that says, well, okay, if, I'm, if the first time I ask for forgiveness, all my sins are forgiven, past, present, future, why would I ever ask for forgiveness again? Why would Jesus put that in a daily prayer to say to God, forgive us our debts, forgive us our debts, forgive us our debts? Why would I have to do that a second time, a third time, every day? Why? why? They're all forgiven. This is where we see the benefit of asking for forgiveness daily because it's not something that we're doing to ensure our salvation. That's taken care of. But it's something that we do to help maintain intimacy with God, our Father. It's about intimacy. It's not about your salvation. It's not not at stake. It's not. But your relationship. The intimacy you can have with God, that's what's the issue. So let me illustrate this with, with just a human relationship. Uh, so let's just say, um, let's not just say, this is not hypothetical. Uh, in my marriage, I do sin against Jen. Uh, like, I, I'll be rude to her, I'll be mean to her, um, I'll do something wrong. I genuinely hurt her. And when I do that, what do I need to do? I need to ask for forgiveness. Now why? Why do I ask forgiveness from my wife when I've hurt her? Is it because I'm afraid that now having been rude to her, she has grounds for divorce and she's going to leave me? And I need to ask for forgiveness quickly before she decides to do that? No. Our marriage is secure. She's not going to leave me. Uh, She's committed to me. I'm not afraid that if I do every little thing wrong, it's going to cause our marriage to disintegrate. So if that's the case, if I don't have to ask Jen for forgiveness, like she's not going anywhere, so I don't have to ask for it, why would I do it? Why do you do it in your relationships? It's because even though the relationship is secure, I've still damaged it, right? The marriage is secure. Uh, We're committed, but there's still uh, a break in intimacy. I've sinned against her. We've lost our closeness. There's a chill in the air, and it's my fault. And I don't want that. I want intimacy. I want to be uh, close. I don't, it's not that I'm afraid she's going to leave me. I just want more than a wife who merely sticks around. I want a close relationship. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. You know, once you become a Christian, it's like getting married. God is, is committed to you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you don't have to ask for forgiveness every day out of the fear that if you don't, he's going to ditch you. But at the same time, you and I sin against God every day. We do. And those sins damage our relationship with him. They create distance between us and God. They steal our intimacy with him. And since we sin every day, then we need to ask for forgiveness every day. Not so we can hold on to our salvation. That's secure. But we ask for forgiveness every day so that we can restore the intimacy that we want to have with our Father who loves us. 
And the good news is that when, even though we sin every day, when we come to God and ask for forgiveness every day, he does. He just keeps forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and restores that intimacy, and it's right there. So just like we pray the previous line, give us today our daily bread, because we need bread every day. We pray, forgive us our debts every day, because we sin every day. In this way, it's kind of like the lint filter on your clothes dryer. I know how often you've thought about the spiritual implications of the lint filter on your clothes dryer. But, but you know, you're supposed to empty that every time. Do you know that? Like every time you do a load in the dryer, you're supposed to pull out the lint filter, clean off the lint. You don't need to. Right? You could leave it there for a while. That's how you get the nice big lint balls. Okay? But you're supposed to clean it off every time because it generates lint every time. And you can, every time you can say, well, I don't, I'm not gonna do it right now, I'll get it next time. Uh, you know, but if you let that go for a couple months, your dryer's gonna stop working. It's gonna start a fire, it's gonna burn your house down. It's dangerous. It's much better just to get into the practice of every time you put a load in the dryer, you just pull the thing out, pick it off, and you're fine. Okay? That's what it's like to, to, to ignore this part of prayer. That's the risks that we run. You can assume that everything's going fine. And, and really, I mean, you have a little sin in your life, just, just some tiny things, and you don't, even, you don't think it's not a big deal, I don't have to confess that, I'll get to that later. But those little things over time can build up. And, and that intimacy with God can get uh, farther and farther apart. If you don't make this confession a part of your regular prayer life, if you're not regularly cleaning the lint filter, before you know it, God's going to feel distant. Your relationship with him is just not going to work at all. It feels so far away from you. And, and you could end up in your life, uh, you know, having un- not confessed sin for a long time, become accustomed to sin, and sin can get a hold in your life, and you can find yourself doing things to burn your house down. You think, how did I get here? How did I get here? It's because you ignored the regular, daily practice of cleaning the filter, of asking God for forgiveness, admitting what you did was wrong, asking Him to forgive you, and He forgives you, and He restores it, but do it every day day. And so Jesus says, every day, pray for forgiveness, clean the filter, keep short accounts with God. And we could stop there, and the prayer would make sense. We could stop there with that. We could say, um, you know, there's two things that Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to admit that we're sinners, and he wants us to ask for forgiveness. That works, that's neat, that's tight, but he doesn't stop there, does he? There's one more phrase on the end that he also forces us to reckon with. So he says, the third thing you've got to do is you need to forgive others. So every day as we pray this prayer, we're reminded that we are sinners. And we're reminded to ask for forgiveness of God and get our, get our accounts cleaned, get that filter cleaned every day. And then we're reminded and forced, hey, we need to forgive others. We need to forgive others. You just can't pray this prayer honestly and hold a grudge against someone. It's impossible. And Jesus did that on purpose. He designed this prayer that way on purpose. So that every time you and I pray for the forgiveness of our own debts, we're reminded that we also have to forgive the debts of others. Every time we pray this, Jesus is saying, have you thought about the people who you're holding grudges against? Have you thought about your own bitterness? Have you thought about the people you need to forgive? Actually, the way he words the line, it's not even that, uh, that generous. It's not a question, it's just a statement. He says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And you notice it's in the past tense. It's something we've already done. This is one, it's not as clear in the traditional wording of the Lord's Prayer. We say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It sounds like the present tense. 
But really, when you go back to the Greek, you know, look at what's there. It's a past tense word. And it comes out in the translation. It says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. We've already done it. We've done it. We have also forgiven our debtors. Now please forgive us. So the assumption is that when we come to God for daily prayer, for daily forgiveness, we've already dealt with this. That's the assumption. Right? That before you even think about asking God for forgiveness, you've already thought about the fact that you need to forgive some other people, and you've done that. So we're not coming to God and saying, please forgive me, and then I'll think about forgiving other people. Please forgive me, and I'll try really hard to forgive other people. We're saying, God, please forgive me for my sins today, and I've already forgiven those who sinned against me. It's a past action. already happened. You just can't pray this prayer and hold a grudge against other people. It's impossible, and Jesus did that on purpose. He's designed this prayer so that if you're going to be honest, before you even start to pray, you examine your own relationships and you say, is there anybody whom I am unwilling to forgive? Are there debts out there that I need to cancel before I ask God to cancel mine? Am I really going to come to God and ask him to forgive me my sins when I'm not willing to show mercy to my spouse or to my coworker or to my sibling? or my neighbor. Really? Jesus tells a great story about this in Matthew 18. We don't have time to read it today, but you can read it on your own. You'll get it. It's obvious. Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant. We cannot live as forgiven people who've had great debts erased by God and then turn around and demand that other people pay theirs to us. You just can't do it. And so, it, really, the only way you could do it, the only way you could live like that is if you somehow, in your mind, separate the two things and never think about them together. If you only ever just think about the forgiveness you've received as its isolated thing, and then your relationships with other people as an isolated thing, but Jesus doesn't let us get away with that. He puts them together in this prayer so that every time we pray it, every day, we're reminded the forgiveness I've received from God should flow from me to others. And so he says... Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now again, this has huge benefits for us. Because if you pray like this, you will have better relationships with other people. That's the benefit. You will have better relationships with others if you are daily forgiving them as God has forgiven you. Okay, so just like prayer, this prayer forces us to clean out the lint trap between us and God, it forces us to clean out the lint trap between us and other people. It prevents you from letting walls grow up between the two of you. It prevents you from holding on to grudges and getting bitter. Instead, it forces you every day to make the choice to come back to the gospel and say, just as Christ has forgiven me, I must forgive this person who has hurt me. And we need this because it's hard. It is easy to become bitter. It's easy to write people off and to just give up on them. That's why relationships die. Because it's easier just to say, no, I don't want to deal with you. That's enough. You've hurt me. It's gone. It's hard to forgive. It's hard enough when it's a stranger who maybe did something to you once. Right? That's hard enough. Just somebody you don't even know who just hurt you one time. But that's probably the easiest kind of forgiveness. It's harder when it's someone that you know or care about and they keep sinning against you again and again and again. Or, maybe the hardest is when it's someone that's close to you and they have hurt you in a deep way. 
So that's not that they're hurting you again and again, but this one wound then keeps showing up again and again and having implications and, and making your life miserable even though you didn't do anything to deserve it. And it keeps, it's just there. And you have to every day make the choice to reorient your compass towards the gospel and say, I forgive again. I, I want to be bitter today, but I'm not going to. Because just as God forgave me, I forgive them. And if you do that, if you do that, God brings healing. Forgiveness heals marriages. Forgiveness brings estranged children home. Forgiveness turns the meanest kid in school into an ally or a friend. Forgiveness can transform a toxic work environment into a healthy one. Forgiveness of other people, letting go of the grudges, living out the gospel, transforms lives. So if you pray this way, if you let the gospel uh, force you, if you let this prayer force you every day to, to forgive other people, it will bring benefit to your life. It will help you in your relationships with others. You will reap a wonderful harvest. So this is a powerful prayer. If you let it do its work. This prayer is designed by Jesus to force you to admit that you're a sinner. If you do that every day, it will vaccinate you against hypocrisy and judgmentalism and pride. You will not be able to be that kind of person because you every day are confessing, I'm a debtor. It will force you to ask for forgiveness every day, and that will bless you because your relationship with God will stay close and intimate. And it will force you to forgive others, which will bless you because you will have better relationships with those people. Sounds pretty great. Let's try it this week. Your practice plan should be in your bulletin. Here's what I've got for us this week. Let's learn to ask for and to give forgiveness to other people. So as usual, I encourage you to set a timer for seven minutes or whatever. You, you probably know how long it takes you now to do, have a, a time of prayer. The new thing this time is it, before you get into prayer, if there's anything that you need to forgive, do it now. Okay, let's honor the fact that Jesus said in past tense, as we have already forgiven those who sin against us. So think about that. Is there anybody that you, you're, you're holding a grudge against, that you're bitter towards, that, you, um, that you just, you're, gonna, you're making them pay? So I'm going to make them pay? Let that go. And if you haven't told them about it, make a plan to do that as soon as you can. Offer forgiveness. Then, having done that, come to the Lord in prayer. Say, Lord, teach me to pray. Look over the Lord's prayer. And then confess your sins. Just think about yesterday. You don't have to go through your whole life, okay? Just think about yesterday. Do some self-reflection. Admit that you're a sinner, that you've got some debts that need paying. And come to God and ask him for forgiveness. And he does. And if you've got time left, talk to God about whatever else is on your heart until the timer goes off. Let's pray. Father, we come to you admitting these things freely. We are debtors, everyone. None of us is a spiritual billionaire. None of us even has a dollar to our name. But by the grace of Jesus, we have a zero balance. In fact, we do become billionaires because every spiritual blessing that's in the heaven is now ours because of Christ. Wow. Oh, Father, we're so humbled. We repent of hypocrisy and judgmentalism and pride and condemning others for not being as good as we think we are. We're debtors. 
And we're here, we're here only because of your grace. Please forgive us. Please forgive us our debts. We are grateful that as Christians we can know that we are secure in your love, that we have been justified and declared not guilty, but still, in the daily ins and outs of life, we sin, we hurt you, we, we deny you, we, we do things that are not good for us or you or others. Father, forgive us, please. Help us to change. Lord, thank you that you're always there. You're the prodigal son's father running to meet us as soon as we show a sign of repentance. And Father, please heal our relationships. As much as is possible, you say to us, live at peace with everyone. So we want to do that part. We want to open our hands, open our hearts, and say to whoever has done whatever to us, however many times, we forgive. By the power of Jesus, we forgive. And Lord, would you do the miracle of the other side and transform their hearts and open their arms that they might also admit whatever sins that they had done and ask for forgiveness for that and there could be real reconciliation and healing. Oh, please make that the case. We can't do that on our own. It's a miracle. Please do it in Jesus' name.